Welcome to another episode of our Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ash, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Diana, the co-founder of Tough Love Marketing. Tough Love Marketing is all about cutting through the fluff and getting to the heart of what really works in marketing. Um... It's it's not about sugarcoating or you know empty promises. It's it's about delivering actionable strategies that yields the real uh, results. And I, I'm I'm sure that Dana will be able to tell you more about it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So okay, Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, Ash. It's so great to finally get that chance to have this conversation with you. And thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's awesome, a pleasure. Awesome. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you would like to share with us? Um, two, two come to mind. Um, one from my favorite movie, which is Jurassic Park. And I love the line, life will find a way, because that just is so true in lots of aspects of life, but particularly in marketing too. Marketing will find a way, but you have to figure it out. <laughs> it's not always the conventional way. And then I love a line from the musical Hamilton. And the line is, my name is Hercules Mulligan. When you knock me down, I get the F back up again. And I love that line too. And it's one of my favorite songs <laughs> in the show. But I love his gusto. And it's it, it's very, that's very me. I'm very like, uh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> And and it, just just because you mentioned about Hercules, I think there was a movie I I saw I've seen, uh, I think few few years back. Uh, Brad Pitt played the Hercules God of Hercules role in that, and then the, one of the scenes where they they were fighting, and then he just went to double size of the warrior, and then just he dropped him dead in one shot. I don't know which movie was that. I, I remember it was something related to Hercules. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and, right. So, so tell us about tell us about tough love marketing. There. What what does this podcast is all about? Who is it for? And what's the main uh, problem you're helping to solve? So, tough love marketing is my baby, and it came from. It actually goes way back to the beginning of my career, where I started to become the person that the sales team would put on the phone to set expectations and kind of be. I don't know, more blunt or more straight to the point, more so than what a salesperson could do. And we found that it's a very effective strategy when you get the expert on the phone and you're not just hearing the sales pitch. So the sales team would come to me, Diana, can you set those expectations about what their Google campaign is actually going to do? They're not listening to me. So I kind of got this reputation uh, at my first job that's continued throughout my whole career as being this strong expectation setter. And I'm just naturally a blunt person anyway. I'm not much of a sugarcoater. My brain just doesn't function that way. I never know the right thing to say. I just say what's there. (laughs) So that works well in setting expectations with marketing. And as well as getting straight through the crap, there's also things like I always get tired of reading the same sort of listicles on the same kind of tips and the same generic bullcrap and this going to conferences and the advice is always so generic or broad or it only applies to 
big brand websites and not the little guy. And so I got, I get tired of that myself. So when I wanted to establish what Tuffle Marketing was taking that broad, that broad kind of advice to bringing in my experience with working, especially with smaller businesses and giving like the actual reality of what things are. So that's, that, that was the motivation behind Tuffle Marketing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, so Dana, um, I am eager to learn more about the person uh, behind this innovative podcast. You know, can you can you take us back to your roots and share with our listeners about your upbringing, your childhood? How did your early experience shape your journey and eventually led you to become, um, you know, this visionary? Oh, and and were there any key influences from your family or surroundings, friends that that played a significant role in shaping your you know you know your your podcast journey? And we would also love to hear more about the foundation that sets you on this incredible path. Oh my gosh, we're about to get deep. <laughs> no one's ever asked me about my childhood before, but I had a great one, so it's not there's nothing. There's no sad story here, but. I give a lot of credit to my parents because they were very encouraging of me and my brother just becoming ourselves. Like I'm, I'm a theater person too. So my parents encouraged that and showed up at every show and let me put on plays. It's funny because I would do like commercials, like, you know, when it was bath time as a kid and I, and when the video camera came around with my, I hosted like a little safari show. So I've always been very comfortable uh, advertising and speaking to people and and wanting to be that sort of voice. So I've always kind of had a natural inclination for that. But I actually, I always joke that I blame my mother for my career because when I was right around that age around stopping believing in Santa Claus, my mom said that Santa Claus had to be real because he had a website. <laughs> and this is back in the early 90s and websites were for things like coca-cola and you know big brands and things like that so if santa had a website then he had to be legit and it and it fostered at least two more years of me believing in santa claus and but i always go back to that story because now i you know i've worked with websites and online you know for almost 20 years so i credit my mother <laughs> but my dad was um, a radio DJ, so he was on the radio, and but he wrote a lot of advertising copy, and he also was on the road and did shows and went broadcast live. So, and I grew up with hearing him in commercials. So then I also just kind of had this natural childhood of advertising in in my bones, and so I knew I wanted to do some form of advertising when I got to college and was choosing my path. And, but I wasn't sure. Ooh, sorry. You hear that? Yeah, I'm kidding. That's, no, do you hear like the buzzing sound? Uh, no. Oh, I hear a buzzing sound. Okay. It stopped. Okay. I'll backtrack a little bit so your editing is a little bit more easy. <laughs> so with growing up with a father on the radio, I grew up with a very strong advertising background, hearing him it, it, do radio ads. So when I approached college, I knew that I wanted to do some form of advertising. I just wasn't sure what. So I majored in communications, 
And it was great because, well, A, digital marketing was not a career path when I was in college a thousand years ago. And so I did communications and I got so much exposure around things like storytelling and um, creating like television commercials and studying, studying the classic TV shows. And I did theater there too. I actually helped with advertising around the theater at my college. And so I kind of came at it in a broader sense. And that's always been my goal. When I got into digital marketing, it was not a thing. Um, it, I started with a company that was transitioning from print to digital. And the woman that I interviewed with, who later became my boss and my mentor, who I'm still friends with today, she literally had a printout paper of an SEO report slid it in front of me and said, this is what we actually do. And I was hooked. I was just hooked from day one. So I learned, I learned SEO and um, paid search from the ground up from a company that didn't have a structure yet behind it. I was answering the questions, you know, why do I even need a website? Because this is in the early 2000s and, you know, and then I've seen, I've been able to see this digital marketing world evolve over the last 20 years. And then circling back to what your podcast is about being around SaaS, well, I finally got to be ingrained in SaaS digital marketing too in the la over the last three years with my last position at SEMrush and it all, it, life will find a way, your career finds a way. So it's, everything has led up kind of to this moment and to tough love marketing and to becoming a coach and a consultant and things like that. So it's funny how your, how your life, as hard and annoying as it might be, sometimes puts you on a path uh, for, for moments like this. So, and, and you, you would be surprised that if you think about, or when you, you'd be listening to this podcast back again. You will you will see you know while you're driving somewhere and you're listening to the podcast. Oh, that's actually is correct. My childhood actually shaped my career. Because <laughs> it has happened with a lot of people, you know. It, uh, then, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's 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 so it's so obvious, but it's so uh, neglected. You know, nobody cares about it, but it actually does affect a lot. So so let let's talk. Let's talk about where the story began. Where, where did the idea of stuff love marketing came from? What was the trigger? The trigger was I've always wanted to elevate my career to be a public speaker. I've always also have, I also love educating. I'm very comfortable public speaking and I have a voice and I have a fun approach and I like that part of my personality. And I got a nice start on that you know, little segment of my career at my job before SEMrush. I worked for a brand agency uh, in Virginia called Red Chalk Studios. And we finally started attending conferences. And then COVID hit and conferences shut down. And then I moved to SEMrush. And SEMrush was a flood of opportunity because they hired me specifically because I could speak like the SEO language. And I was good with people and I'm a great communicator and things like that. And I say that all humbly, but our characteristics, I'm quite proud of myself. And then as my career and role changed in SEMrush, I took that kind of took a back seat, the public speaking, and it became more back to the marketing, back to strategy and ideation and campaign management. And but I still had that piece in me that wanted to talk to marketers and talk to people who are trying to do marketing themselves. 
And so I started my own. I just took it under my, I took it on myself and started Tough Love Marketing first as a YouTube channel. And now I just recently in the last month uh, made it into a podcast. So the YouTube channel and the podcast are this will be the same episode. There isn't any different. It's just whether you feel like looking at my face or not. <laughs> yeah. And then if you have content, why not repurpose it? Right. And I mean, I'm a total... I'm a total person that goes from YouTube to podcasts. And, you know, there's a, gr I follow this one guy. I love him. Um, he's called Mr. Ballin. And he always talks about these scary stories and these unsolved mysteries. And his YouTube stories are much longer. And then he's got a podcast. He even has shorts like versions on the podcast. So they're the same stories, but he'll add a little something else to it, but make it shorter. So, you know, people go to these different, channels for different reasons and if i can be in two places at once then why not the content's already been recorded so <laughs> right so 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 when when you had this epiphany did you look into the market whether there are other podcasts or, or similar youtube channels with talking about marketing what was going on at the time and what what did you see from your research that encouraged you well, and it's funny because I started the research on the podcast side. I had no idea how to record and publish a podcast. Now, I've been doing webinars for years. Get me in StreamYard. Get me get me in some sort of live channel. I can totally handle it. But for me, like the concept of production and editing for and distribution of podcasting, I had no clue. So I actually bought a book. It's called The NPR's Guide to podcasting and I read through that and then I just started to ask other podcast hosts. I've been on several and I've become very close with them. So I simply just started to ask them, like, what do you do? What does your podcasting process look like? What does your prep work look like? What does your editing process look like? What tools do you use? You know, asking all of those questions. And finally, well, so then and actually that got put to the side because I was getting quite overwhelmed. And I'm like, you know what? I know YouTube. I'll write a script. So all of my content is scripted. I do very little improv because I try to do it under that five-minute timeline. And um, I can be very long-winded. So I have to script myself in order to keep my mind on track, <laughs> keep it yeah. under five minutes. So I started doing that on YouTube. And then uh, another woman that I met who has another podcast told me of this other – of this podcast – tool that will distribute it to Apple, Google, and Spotify, which were the main channels. So I found a tool that will um, take the audio from a YouTube video. I can download the audio and then I can upload it into this other tool and make the magic happen. You know what the longest part actually is? And maybe you can help me with this if you have any, have any advice, but it takes me forever to put the captions on my YouTube videos. Even though they're only five minutes, it takes forever ever because you have to break it out into maybe like six words at a time so if you have any tips for captioning videos i would love to hear it definitely i'm going to show you how i do it oh great okay perfect <laughs> it cleans that okay and so so is it is it uh is it is it your hobby that you're doing this podcast or is it um a way to you know uh, add value to your viewers businesses, lives, personal life, or, or their professional lives in order to, uh, you know, uh, make them more understand 
how marketing works and potentially they come to you like uh, on your consulting um, you know business like that's diana.com and then connect with you and then you know you take them further ahead from whatever point they come to you so all of the above and really the goal is it's education it's someone you can come to when you just need a no crap look and take on certain things and you know because there is so much on the internet there are so many marketing podcasters and everyone talks 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 so really my goal is to give people five minutes of something they can do today i often assign what i like to call homework in my podcast episodes so people can hear the no bullcrap advice and then take action again i just got so tired of hearing generic and general advice over and over again create a personal brand or like how the heck do you even do that like what does that even mean you know and if i'm asking questions and i've been doing this for 20 years i know it doesn't make sense to someone who is running their own business and doesn't have a marketing kind of mind so really it's to get people and get people moving i'm a very action-oriented person when i have momentum i go 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 i'm impatient in that regard i feed off of momentum and give me tasks and i will do it kind of person so that's the that's the mentality i take with the with the podcast and with the youtube channel is cut the crap and uh, assign you something to do to put it into action so you can make more things happen for your own business whether you're in-house or an agency or doing it all yourself, whatever. So that was my goal. So if if it funnels into my consulting business, fabulous, great. I would love for that to happen. But right now it's just free advice. <laughs> awesome. That's perfect. <laughs> it, takes so- me, it takes me, you know, it, it takes me about 10 minutes to write a script, five minutes to record it, 30 minutes to publish. So we're not talking about a huge time investment for me. But I, I hope the return for the audience is greater than that because if you can listen for five minutes and then do something and then gain results, then that's what I would love to do for you. Awesome. And I get that. The reason I, I can say that is because um, I've tried YouTube. I've got uh, hundreds of thousands of followers on one of my chat. I've tried uh, about 10,000 followers on it. I've tried uh, Insta, no success at all. Maybe one like on one post. Uh, <laughs> but I do not love any of this. What I love is this. Yeah. Real people, you know, not maybe not in real life, but virtually interact with them, learn from them, you know, with, with their real life experiences, and then potentially spread the, the story across the world because this is. This is real. This is what I enjoy. And that's why I put literally zero effort in marketing. You know, you, you might see on the, the YouTube channel where I publish these podcasts, I literally do nothing. I never even ask my viewers or listeners to subscribe to it because I know <laughs> this is not for subscription. This is for me. I love it. I love doing it. So so that's that's why it's fun and that's why I've never Never stopping. I have only finished season one, and this you are in season two. So oh. at the end of the year, I'll be finishing like season four or five. And that nice. Was- <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So, 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 can you share? Okay, so tell us more about this uh, consulting service you provide, because what I would like to 
um, give my listeners is some some tangible advice from your side in terms of marketing. I mean, they will be listening to this podcast with an explanation that okay, as a marketing strategist on the podcast, who will be giving us tips. So let's say a lot of my listeners for this podcast is from a founders community, so YC School, um, Angler, um, uh, Accelerator, EF, Entrepreneurs Plus, all these kind of programs, right? And these startup founders either come from either a their niches, for example, a finance background, marketing background, operations background, whatever background they come from, or they are techies, so their product, uh, their uh, platform, this kind of thing. Very few of them understand. To be honest, <laughs> I ended at least 50 people and very two or three, I mean, I mean, out of 100, let's say two or three percent people understand. And they always struggle with it. And that led them to hire either an agency or a marketing person. So what is what is the strategy, especially the SaaS founders should use before launching their product and after launching their product? So let's split it into two parts. Okay. Before launching the product is where a lot of the hard work comes in. First of all, one expectation that I do want to want to set is that marketing in any niche, SaaS or otherwise, does not open a floodgate of results. You, it's, there's no pedal to the metal go and you're up to 60 or 100 miles an hour. It does not work like that. It is a lot of work on the back end to push things out, have time go by, adjust, experiment for all of that stuff, momentum, which is one of my favorite words, to come back in. So regardless of your niche, just set your expectations. For SaaS specifically, the marketing channels, it's very interesting because SaaS can can be B2B or B2C or B2D, like like self, self-serve, so two customers or two businesses. So the very first thing to do before you even launch any sort of marketing is to understand your audience. And if you have audience in all three of those categories, you need to, you're going to have to dig deeper into those. Um, so all good marketing starts with a quality realistic and personal understanding of your audience because that's going to lead to the marketing channels that you use the messaging that you choose the calls to action special offers discounts all sorts of things are going to come together but start with knowing your audience and i don't mean knowing your audience meaning ash is a male who lives in surrey and has an apartment and like steve jobs okay like those are, that is not knowing your audience personally. Knowing your audience personally is knowing that, yes, they are interested in your software. They somehow have a life around your software, but what else do they freaking do? Do they love movies? Do they love sci-fi movies? Do they prefer cats over dogs? Do they drink coffee? Are they allergic to milk? Like literally knowing those things because you have to come up with, and it's going to be a broad persona of a group of people, but you have to know them specifically do they prefer do they like not want starbucks they want to do like local do they shop local things like that all affect your messaging and your targeting when you get into things like meta you can target based on that when you get into targeting like youtube you have to understand these people from there start there spend your time and hire an agency because there are agencies that do 
specialize in audience persona creation. They'll have the market research tools. They'll have the trending data. They'll have the benchmarking data. They'll have the accessible channels that these people are on so you can find out where you should be. But start with your audience. Spend the time and the money to invest in understanding your audience now. Now, you will revisit that post-launch. Like if you're doing this pre-launch, you'll want to, you know, you'll want a lot of launch marketing campaigns around that audience sector. You'll want to give it time to run. Then you'll want to analyze the results and then you'll want to revisit it. And then you can also hone in on specific audiences as well, especially as you start releasing new features or new integrations. Then you can start seg- you can start targeting directly to specific audiences, but you have to know your people first. So please invest the time and the money to get that done. That's my first piece of tangible advice. Awesome. Awesome. So you you have to focus on your ideal customer profile. Not just your ideal, but who is actually using the product. Because there are oftentimes a disconnect, especially when we're talking about co-founders and founders and people who aren't in the weeds or on the street with interacting with the customers because you do get once you're up at that level of a of a company there is a little bit of disconnect between you and the actual person using your software so don't assume don't assume you know your audience and don't shoot for the stars everybody wants that perfect person who's got all the money in the world to spend and all the free time to get to know their tool and that's just not realistic So start with the people that actually use your tools and build on their engagement, their personas and build out from there. But start who you can, who you know and who you can analyze now and build out from there. Awesome. Okay. Those people started one last thing because those people who are using your tool now can become power users and then advocates for you and then get you in front of their audience. And that's how you kind of get pushed out into their world as well. So focus on the current people who are already liking and investing in your software. And if you don't have any of those people, ask your mom. Just kidding. Okay. No, no, I know. I have read that uh, book, Mom's Test, so I understand that. (laughs) So let's take a hypothetical situation then because a lot of people I interview. Um, when they come to my show, either they are fully bootstrapped or they have got their seed funding, right? Um, when they're bootstrapped, they're more focused on generating uh, leads or generating traffic organic. So let's stay and take a hypothetical uh, situation. Uh, let's take um, uh, Diana runs a startup, uh, a B2B startup, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an app where... Uh, you know, the Apple's new app where you can accept payments on the phone. You run, you know, you know. <laughs> hey. uh, so you you created that um, platform yourself. It's called Bootstrap. Uh, you have found out that you're going to launch it in only New York, right? Just New York. So your ideal uh, or your actual customer profile would be B2B small businesses because you only want to target small businesses temporary food stalls, the, the, the hot dog centers, the ice cream centers, things, people like that. And they are majorly uh, using these uh, POS machines where people just touch their carts. So now you have your uh, ICP 
what's the next step you should do? And remember, you're a bootstrap startup founder. You don't have money from Apple yet. Maybe it will be acquired by Apple soon. So what's the next step? Getting it in the field and getting it. And this is where the people connection comes into play. Don't don't underestimate, underestimate the power of one-on-one relationships, especially on a bootstrap, especially on a small budget, especially. And I love it that you said you chose this area somewhere like New York is a perfect demographic, I think, for something that you can do that. And if, if you, even if you are the founder and you're bootstrap and you're in Nowhereville somewhere, you can still set up temporary office and have the expense of maybe like the hotel room for a month or something or an Airbnb for a month. And that can be your expense. And then you are, uh, you know, uh, shoes to the street, walking with vendors. If this is B2B, maybe you're the ice cream creator and you're on a delivery to the ice cream shop that's going to be selling your ice cream. And you go with that delivery person. So you can show the delivery person and you can show the ice cream shop how this technology works. You're going to have to do this one by one. And then you're going to want to partner with other Maybe something like an like a podcast or a YouTube influencer who focuses on technology. So then you can have a, hey, I'll give you my app, or even like I'll give you stock in my app or something. If we can collaborate on one or two videos on your channel, so I can get the word out. So that way, again, you're keeping the budget down, but you yourself are also getting a name for yourself as the co-founder or founder, whatever your role is in this app's structure. Uh, in this industry and now not only are you building a product awareness one by one which they will t- these people will talk you can take photos post it on their instagram post it on your instagram or tiktok or whomever and start developing a social media presence but now you're also kind of developing the name for yourself because you're kind of you now you're kind of becoming the face of this product so it works twofold and you've spent nothing on google ads or facebook ads or tv ads or whatever you're doing this one by one. And then, I mean, that's kind of the def- definition of bootstrapping it, right? Is the one on one relationship. So like if you're doing something like technology and it's portable, like an app, get in the field. Mm-hmm. I love that because a lot of people advise other way around because I see marketing uh, gurus online. They always say, oh, you're launching an app. Oh, focus on Facebook. Putting it in the app store. Getting, getting, oh. no. but like no one's going to know. If it, and again, it all it all circle it all comes back to the audience. If your audience doesn't know to even look for it in the app store or do, or promote it in the app store, I'm like if I don't even know what the name is or what to look for, um, then I'm not going then I'm not going to do it. I can't make people search for something they don't know of. But if they already know about it and they they heard it from you know small businesses particularly talk to each other, especially about technology like their POS system. They're always sharing those secrets. Their DMS or CRM. They're absolutely having those conversations. So if you offer some sort of POS, DR, uh, CRM, or DMS kind of system, then yeah, you need to be demoing the heck out of that product to the people who use it, who are going to use it, who you want to use it. Who, I mean, be out there in the public uh, demoing the product. Go to trade shows and you know put some budget down to trade shows and have a cool booth. And that, yeah, that's that's money that's not necessarily bootstrapping it but you got a budget for these types of things so you can get in front of the people who will adopt the product yeah yeah amazing so so now i got the gist of what the tesla marketing is because now i understand that it's not the general available advice online it is the 
actual action you have to put. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's really good because nobody talks about it. Nobody. I know. No one ever tells you how to do it. And theory. And as someone who's had to learn by trial and error for 20 years, I will just tell you. (laughs) And you can try it or not. But I, yeah, if you want the generic advice, that's what Google, like Google it. And that's what Google will offer you. And there's some fabulous writers and I'm not trying to dog on anybody who's written, you know, these listicles, but I'm, I'm an action oriented person. So that's the take I have in my advice now and, and in my coaching. So I love what you just said about it. Like, these are the actions that you can take. And if you, if you, when you work with me from the coaching and consulting side of things, I will put together a step-by-step plan for you that involves the actions. We are first going to do this and here's the deadline. And based on that, then we can move to this step. Like, I'm not going to, it's not generic advice. I'm not going to say, yes, let's just launch Facebook ads. That's not it. We're going to, I will walk you step-by-step and you can, you can take the plan and take it to your agency or I can help you. That's we can decide that later, but I will give you a step by step action plan for your marketing because generic is just crap and a waste of money. That's that that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, <laughs> so so now I know where to where to uh, refer to my uh, podcast listeners if they come back to me. Ash, we need your help with marketing. Okay, then. <laughs> 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 great stuff great stuff so let's start let's talk a little bit more about your entrepreneur journey your you know uh you, you mentioned that you worked with some brands and it was amazing a lot of opportunities in there would you be able to share some specific moments in your in your journey where you had to anticipate potential challenge challenges and make decisions that would impact the future of the department or the organization? Um, Let me think. You know, honestly, the biggest struggle is getting the buy-in from anybody. There's so many, I I mean, it happens 50% of the time in most cases where businesses and brands have been burned by agencies or other consultants. And they think that, you know, and they think because based on their experience that we're marketers are in it for the money and we just want more money when a lot of the times the money that we're asking for is passed through money. It's the budget I want you to spend, it, you know, on a YouTube campaign. It's not coming into my pocket. And they've been burned by hearing that pitch and then not seeing it backed up in the reporting or things like that. And there's just a, the biggest challenges too are around budget. And if I double my budget, I'll get double the leads. And that's just not how this works. So the biggest the biggest challenge is setting the expectation around time and financial investment. And, and you can absolutely have successful marketing with very few dollars. You do not need millions of dollars to get the right leads. There are, you know grassroots ways you could do this but it's going to invest time the other the other thing with marketing too and a lot of small businesses are you're the marketing person so you just take it i don't need to be involved and that's not true either because it ends up it ends up really needing to be a partnership and 
because I'm going to need information from you. You're going to need information from me. You're going you're going to need to make time for me. Even though I'm taking charge of whatever we're doing, you have to make time for me and get back to me in a reasonable amount of time so we can keep on progressing because things change very quickly in our world. And in order to make the most out of things that are changing, like a pandemic where stuff was shut down, literally in within days and people could no longer go to stores and businesses had to switch from shopping in person to shopping online if they wanted to stay afloat you have to be that flexible so i need you the business owner to be in communication with me i give all of my clients my cell phone number just like you would your realtor because things happen in real time across different time zones and you i need you to get back to me in most cases so those are the three challenges are working together and understanding the time and understanding the money. And you have to communicate with me if any of those things change because we're setting our plan up for a specific set of criteria. And if any of those things change, it will change your future and what I can do for you. So those are the biggest challenges. <laughs> and I could I could totally relate to the first one. You know, mostly the businesses say, oh, I'm giving it five brands for doing marketing for me. That's mm -hmm. it. Give me the money. It's your job. And they forgot and they don't even give you time to reflect on the questions or or anything. And then you end up being in a place where, oh, what should I do with this money? Because I need information. Without information, I wouldn't be able to help you. And this is the very crucial part. If you want a baby to learn how to walk, he has to hold mamas and papas fingers yes. he cannot walk with one hand it has to be both hands or on its own it or on its own. it will get hurt <laughs> it could get hurt so that's the issue and that's what they don't understand and and i like that that you have faced this challenge that it's not just the marketers or the agency's job to market your product it's your baby you have to be as much as the marketer or the agency is that's, that's really impactful. So talking about that, then would you be able to share a delightful customer story that showcases the value your service brings to the business? Is there any use case or case study you would like to share? <laughs> Absolutely. And I've worked with, I've worked with so many different types of businesses. One, I I'll share this use case or this case study because I wish it could have gone longer. And here's a, here's an example of the financial challenges that come into marketing. So I worked with a dentist and being a dentist, marketing a dentist is fairly boring, right? It's not a very sexy industry. They don't offer sales. There's nothing like <laughs> a dentist is a dentist and you look for one near you that might have some nice reviews and they won't hurt you when you go in. And so when I was pre when I was preparing, I always do research, like industry research before I start marketing or even coming up with ideas. And I noticed that when I Googled dentists in this city, that's what the Google ads, that's what they all said. Like that was the text in the Google ad was dentist in Surrey or whatever city this was. And I'm like, that is freaking boring. How am I going to make this person, this dentist stand out and get their fair share of clicks? So with that in the back of my head, I was doing, I was digging into their Google Analytics data and I found out 
that their About Us page was the most popular page on their website over and above the homepage, which I'm, I'm sure you know, like the homepage is traditionally the most visited page of a website, but not for not in this case. In this dentist case, it was their About Us page. So that told me that the people interested in this dentist were very curious about the dentist themselves and the staff. So now I combined these two things and I wrote their ads to be more friendly. Hey, my name is so-and-so. Let me be your dentist. Hi, come and meet us. We're, we're going to greet you with a smile. And so the text of these Google ads was way different than the other dentist text ads, but they were friendly. They offered a smile. They offered a greeting as if you were walking straight in the front door. And their click-through rate and their traffic from their tiny Google budget shot through the roof. And unfortunately, and I mean, you could take my word for it. No, I do not have the statistics. This was years ago. And they, but they could all, they, when you do a Google campaign for one month, it's not enough time, PS, by the way. And they shut it down after one month. I could have done incredible things with that campaign. That could have led into a social media campaign. That could have led into a referral program. But no, they shut it down because money, money. So, but I love that example because you just never, this is why you always got to do your research. This is why you have to understand people. This is why data isn't black and white because you just never know what you're going to find when you spend the time to look into other areas. And it was just a fun revelation. I didn't set out to have a, rev a revelation. I knew I didn't want to have the stupid generic ad. So I was looking for a different approach anyway. So it's proof that like when you approach, when you approach your marketing from a customer audience first perspective, it gives you the opportunity to not only understand them differently, but then understand their behaviors and understand what they want from you. And that translates into your marketing campaign. So that was a really fun one. I was super proud of myself for like finding this revelation yeah. and creative ads out there and I was very sad when they only did one month like just 30 days of Google ads with me it was yeah. a bummer <laughs> and, and the other aspect of it is and I totally relate to this because sometimes businesses want to do the marketing right they want to spread the word the, what happens is if it becomes successful they're not capable of handling the traffic or queries because that is they never anticipated it that, oh my God, it's going to quadruple or 10 times the current yeah. case. And they did not factor in those inquiries. And that scares them. Yeah. But in most cases, there's not a floodgate. In most cases, it is a trickle and build up effect. This was a kind of a perfect positive storm in this instance. Um, I am, I very rarely, as an experienced marketer, have that floodgate where now the client has too much that they can't handle. Mm -hmm. um, so I do I do get that and it's a good problem to have, but the, a seasoned marketer should be able to help anticipate something like that, but then it's also not a common scenario to encounter. As much as we wish it would be, everyone wants that problem. And we all want leads yesterday, but it is, it's a trickle effect. It's a build up effect. It's not a floodgate. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this story. Um, so, so as we are heading towards the end of the interview, I would like to know, you know, throughout your journey, experiences, 
there must have been valuable lessons learned. And, and if you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on your experience and tell us about one mistake or a setback that you have encountered, you know, along the way that you now consider maybe not a regret, maybe a lesson. And initially, what advice would you give our listeners based on this experience? Yes, I absolutely have a great example. So I one of my, another client that I used to work with, and it's a very interesting niche, was a sunflower maze. They were a seasonal business, and every spring they grew sunflowers and then carved out paths so they could invite children and families, and it was a dog-friendly place, and it was great. Very fun audience, very engaged audience. They had a fabulous social media presence that, and like they hired professional photographers. So they really took it upon themselves. I didn't have much influence over that. They, they understood the power of social media and great photography for their particular business. So one year they hosted a photo contest. So we were doing some user generated content here and we encouraged people to visit the farm, go through the maze, take pictures, and then submit them to win some really cool prizes at the end. And it went fabulous. It, great engagement, terrific photos that the maze can now use forever, tagging people that are now connected to them and following them on social media on a regular basis. It, it accomplished every single goal and then some that we set out to do. Fast forward about three years later. So I'm working currently with a golf cart dealership. Another really fun, engaged audience. It's kind of fleshy. It's exciting because you take golf carts to golf. It's hobbies. It's part of your lifestyle. I just learned that people take golf carts and drop their kids off at school as we're ramping up for, you know, back to school season and things like that here in the U.S. And so I was like, hey, I had this really great experience with a photo contest and, and told them about that case study. Why don't we do it for you guys? Your audience will have so much fun decorating their golf carts, showing them off. We'll get the manufacturers involved and the promoting the contest. Well, the contest was a complete and total flop. We did not get one single person to sign up for this contest. And we did everything. We promoted it through their email channels, through their manufacturers, through their social media, through personal invites, and not one single person registered for the contest. Now, like things like their email that got a fabulous click-through rate. We were we were up in like the 40s for like our open rate and clicking through the link. But for some reason, like people were just not interested in spending the time to decorate their golf cart. So the lesson that I have learned and that I want to pass along is that even if you've had a, even if you have a successful track record with some sort of really cool tactic, it's not going to work for every business. And experimentation is part of a successful marketing strategy. You have to build in the time. I know I sound like a broken record and the budget to also experiment. So just keep that in mind. And, and you're going to, and no matter who you're working with, an agency, a single person, your in-house team, they're going to have a successful track record. That's what's kept them in the marketing field. But that doesn't mean that that is always going to translate. So don't be disappointed. Just be open to it. And this dealership was completely cool with it. They were they're still a client. Our relationship is great. They totally understood the that this might not work because it was an experiment and they were fabulous about handling the disappointment. We were all bummed because we put a lot of work into it, but that is how it goes sometimes. So over to you, like business owners and marketers, like just be prepared that the most seasoned and expert marketer 
is not always going to have is not always going to launch like 100% perfect campaigns from the get go. You have to factor factor in experimenting and adjustments. So that's that's my lesson. And that's 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 definitely an eye opener because being a marketer, you you have a confidence that oh, this has worked for me previously. I'd work for this business also, so you would like to take a risk, but then obviously you have to make sure that you inform and alert your business, your customer at the right time that, okay, this is an experiment, you have to run through it, it yeah. was, this is the past experience of the results, and if it doesn't, obviously it's an experiment, it might not work, things like that. So right. that's, that's amazing, amazing uh, learning. So as you know, we are heading towards the end. We should, we should wrap up now. So should we go into the lightning round? I've got some six quick fire questions for you. If you. This is the part I'm most nervous about because I don't know what you're going to ask. But go ahead. <laughs> don't worry. It will be a nice question. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Um, what's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received? Just go for it. For it like Nike, just do it. But yeah, but you have to take the action, you have to take the responsibility, you have to make it happen, but just go for it. Awesome. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Oh, I wish you had preempted me for this question because I have a fabulous book that I read years ago and I can't even remember the title. But the one that I'm reading now is actually called Creativity. And if you give me three seconds, maybe I can find who the author is because oh, I wasn't prepared for this. That's all right. <laughs> that's right. That's why it's called Nighty Round. <laughs> uh, I know, but it's a really good one. And it's by a comedian. Dang it. Hold on. I just recommended it to somebody else. John Cleese. Creativity by John Cleese. Brilliant. <laughs> oh. um, what one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Oh. Man, uh, future thinking, being able to uh, prepare for the future now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what What's your favorite personal productivity tool or app? Canva. Yeah. <laughs> I love Canva. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. A lot of marketers love Canva. It's so amazing. Whoever their, whoever their UX design team is deserves like the Nobel Peace Prize award of UX design because it is so intuitive. And because I, I am not like a like a art director or designer, and it makes oh, it makes it so easy to do everything and make it not look like it came from a template. I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, what's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had Well, I would love to find a way to switch the, oh, this is my soapbox and this is totally outside of marketing. I would love to find a way to switch our food industry so that natural food with like nutrient dense food, so like produce and protein, was more affordable and the junk food was the luxury and cost more. But it, it's cheaper because of factory, because it's factory built and not a farmer. Um, so I understand why. So I'd love to find a business way to like flip that so we eat healthier and can still have the luxurious junk food, but it will cost more. Like a bag of Doritos that will last me a week should not cost more than the ingredients to make a salad for one day, but it does. 
So that's why people buy it because it's more cost effective for more food. So. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, what's, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Most people don't know. Um, I'm pretty, and I'm an open book. I don't know. I'm an actor. I'm, I actually have an audition on Sunday. I'm a cancer survivor. I have a dog who sleeps on my desk like he's sleeping right now. I moved to Texas during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty open. <laughs> that will, if you're an actor, I can probably say that I have it to you. That's a famous one. <laughs> I was just in a play, but here in Texas, you know, but, but. great stuff. But back, Diana, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and back in the last two years of building this uh, amazing, you know, uh, business I hustle and some of the ups and downs along the way. If people want to check out Tough Love Marketing and um, if you want to, if they want to contact you, what's the best way? Yeah, just head over to my website. That's Diana.com. That has both my consulting information as well as the podcast and the YouTube channel and a lovely contact us form if you want to say hey. But I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. DMs are open. So you can also say hi there. <laughs> awesome. What's the, what's the name they should search on LinkedIn? Because a lot of listeners for my podcast is on Yeah, so if you just search my name, Diana Richardson, there's not a whole lot of them. So you, that's me. Brilliant. Diana, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and the impactful work you're doing through Tough Love Marketing. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on SaaS Stories podcast. Thank you, Ash. This was really fun. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to the episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Diana insightful and inspiring. If you're a founder or an industry expert interested in sharing your story on our SaaS Stories podcast, Please don't hesitate to reach out. Simply email me at ash at and let's click for a potential budget. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews with proven founders and industry experts. We have a lineup of incredible guests and valuable insights coming. Stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep building.